There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello and welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mark Boris. I don't think there's a single business in the world that COVID-19 hasn't affected in some way or other. So for the next few episodes, I'm going to be speaking to business owners and founders who have had to pivot their businesses or change their service entirely in order to adapt and survive in this tough market. You'll be hearing from people in business who have had to completely rethink the way they operate, reassess their revenue streams, or find new and innovative ways to keep their businesses going in some of the most challenging times I've ever seen and giving them feedback and real tangible advice that can apply to their own business. And maybe you can find some useful tips to rebrand or think your own offering and even attract some new customers. So to kick it off, today I'm talking to Paul Dewhurst, who is the operations manager at the Three Blue Ducks. They've got restaurants in Bronte, Byron Bay, Brisbane, Rosebury, and now Melbourne too. But just like all hospitality businesses, they were forced to shut the doors to all their venues in March with almost no warning. But they pivoted quickly, and a week later, the business branched into the fresh food and takeaway market, supplying gourmet produce boxes to Byron Bay locals, and from the Sydney premises, they started to do takeaway food menus. These were services they had never considered before, but as restrictions slowly began to ease, the three Blue Ducks realised the importance of diversifying the revenue and amped up their activities, which has allowed the business to survive and almost thrive during this time. So I've invited Paul in to ask him about how they made this quick decision to pivot and what three Blue Ducks offered and how this changed their business, probably for the foreseeable future. So let's get into it. Paul Dewhurst, welcome to The Mentor, mate. Good to meet you. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. So this is all part of a series uh, of rebuilding businesses or or maybe uh, turbocharging businesses is another way of putting it. It depends on what the economic environment is, I guess, and, and or what your outcome is is that you're trying to achieve, but like rebuilding, turbocharging, whichever way you want to go about it. And uh, I want to talk to you about exactly that process. But before I get into that process and what you've done with the Three Blue Ducks group, yep. just want to ask you a few things about your background. So, you know, where you come from, what's the deal? So I, I see you in the brief that you grew up in the Sutherland Shire. So you're a, a shy boy. Yep. Shark supporter. Shark supporter. Yeah, well, that's that's <laughs> okay. You're going okay. You, you, you're a spoiler organization, you guys. You can beat anyone on your day, but a little bit of consistency would help, I guess. Um, I guess uh, as a Sutherland Shire boy, I mean, I'm sitting here looking at you, you look like a, someone who might like to ride a surfboard and um, you got that sort of Shire look about you. My brother grew up in the Shire, by the way, my younger brother, so I know exactly what I'm dealing with. Um, what's your background? Like, you know, what's your deal? Were you in a restaurant business or what's your deal? No, no. So I um, – I, Went to uni and I did uh, commerce in management and marketing. And then when I left, all I wanted to do was travel. So I traveled for about two and a half years. Um, when I say traveled, I worked overseas um, in the US and then in London as well. And that was more in HR. So um, I guess at the very beginning, you know, entry level HR, doing things like payroll, reference checks, recruitment, um, I guess a bit of the legal side of things. And I did. I did that within an investment bank and a digital marketing agency. So two polar opposites, one, you know, t-shirts and, you know, hanging out, hanging out, fly by the seat of your pants. You got everything paid for breakfast, lunch, dinner. And then in the investment bank, it was the opposite. You know, I was 21, 22 and they were, I guess, between 40 and 60 year old white male, very uh, rich people. 
um, traders and, and I guess I was yeah, in the little HR room paying their payroll. Um, so I kind of, I learned, learned a little bit. What did you learn? I'm not interested in sort of the hard skills, like, you know, knowing how to post a payroll run, but I'm talking about like, what did you learn maybe in terms of soft skills? I mean, what are these? these? I, I learned how to talk to, I guess, people maybe a little bit, a little bit more experienced than me. Definitely. I was by far the youngest in both of those companies. Well, what does that a, teach you? A young bloke, what do you learn? Like, and what have you, how have you used that today? Like, was this in America? In the, in in London in investment okay bank. UK so you, you with a whole lot of uh, straight back toffs in London uh, yeah you know like that's usually the investment bankers in London I mean I've had some experience and a lot of them come out of the, the out of the military um, and uh, they're very posh yeah um, or at least they think they are what you grab out of that like soft skill sense I think you had to know when to be quiet and just cop what you had to cop um, and you know I I kind of learnt. Um, or these guys are successful. So how have they been successful? What'd you learn about them though? Like, you know, like it, it was the wild times. It was before GFC. So it was, they were earning a lot of money. I'm talking 50,000 pound monthly commissions, which to me at that time when I'm earning eight, nine, 10 pounds, I think I, I graduated to 15 pounds an hour and that was massive, you know? So, and they're, then they're earning 50,000 pounds a month. It's, it just didn't compare. So I think they played hard. They, they went out all night. You know, we, I was, you know, scrounging around to pay my rent and then get my flight to wherever I was going for that weekend or that, or that trip that month, because that's what I was there to do, you know? So I think it definitely showed, you know, if you're successful, what you can get. I think I, I learned from that. Okay. You, um, you have to dot the I's and cross the T's, particularly in that role, you know, because you've, you're playing with a, a vast amount of money. What do you think so. their expectations are? What are those individuals? I mean, I, I guess to some extent they can be your customers today. Yes. Some, yes, not, not just Not, the, yeah, not I, your only customer, but they would make up your customer base, a percentage of it. So what are their expectations? I mean, what do you learn about them as potential customers? Yeah, they want everything on a plate. They want to be served. You know, they want their experience to be faultless. They want something also that they can't get everywhere else. They want that unique experience and we get that a lot with our corporate events customers in particular. They want that, oh, well, can you can you just get um, a unique menu and curate a menu for me? Yeah. You know, they don't want the, the set menu or that package that we're selling everyone else. Oh, yeah, 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 we like that, but can you put this spin on it, you know, uh, much to our chef's probably nightmare. But um, everyone wants their own Well, let's just stop life. there for a second. That's interesting. Much to your chef's nightmare. So- all of a sudden you've got a, a gap to bridge. You've got customers who have an expectation about uh, entitlement, mm-hmm. you know, rightly or wrongly, it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've got the money, you'll give them whatever they're going to pay for because yeah. it's not a morality game here. This is, this is a transaction game. So, okay, there's an expectation. You're, you're a customer of mine. Your organisation's a customer of mine. My chef thinks, oh, fuck, you know, this is going to be so, totally different from the menu, what I'm used to. How do you bridge that gap? I mean, so I mean, how did your HR experience teach you to bridge the gap? And sort of get the, the the chef on side, get him on board. Yeah. How do you do that? It it definitely is a fine line. I'll be honest. We don't sell out for much. As in, you know, if somebody wants us to uh, use a beer that isn't independent, we actually say no, and we Which say means no to what? the whole what does that function. Mean? What do you mean? So, what does that mean? So. Um, you know, if you're not an independent craft brewer that you own your own brewery, so yep. Young Henry's or Stone and Wood or Stomping Ground, you know, you can name a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. But versus, say, Victoria Bitter, yep. right? Now, if somebody wants Victoria Bitter and they want to put that all over their function, we say no, even if they want to spend 50 grand on their function. So that's a know? principle, is it? At, well, it's a principle, but it's what we've built our business yeah, no, on. Yeah, it's a pr- principle around which a brand is built. That's right. So. Yeah. So our ethos is all about sustainable, local, independent, small producers. Of course, we still use big producers for certain items, but I guess we can't sell out our brand because that's what's made us over the last 10 years. So, so okay, let's, okay, so that's interesting. So you're saying there's another gap to bridge too. Um, you won't cross over what your brand stands for in order to appease the transaction with a customer. Cool, got it. But there will be times when for customers says, listen, you got baked potatoes on the menu. On my baked potatoes, 
I want you to actually put some very expensive beluga caviar. Mm. Now, you will then go to the chef and say, put the yeah. caviar on there. Yes, if they can source the caviar that is from the right producer. Yes. Which means, what's the right producer? So if it's from the beluga caviar is from, say, somebody that's mass producing it, ripping ripping off their farmers or however it works, then no. But there is little caviar farms now in Victoria and, and Tasmania. So, yeah, if we can find the right caviar... Yes, for sure. So, so we will do it. I guess we're going to have to. We're ultimately, going to end up talking about what you guys stand for and, and your yeah. brand, and, and I just trying to get my head around what you do, like what you learned, and yeah, how you yeah. then bridge these gaps. Yeah, you know, what you learned by dealing with these uh, super highly paid, uh, very sensitive um, investment bankers yeah. during the nineties yeah. and uh, early two thousands. Um, how you dealt with these guys, what you learned from these these individuals who have they have a sense of. Uh, Entitlement, and yeah. and I don't mean that in a bad way. That because you know I've had experience with these people too. They just think I've earned it. I want to spend it. Give yeah. me what I want. Yeah, I and mean, that's the bottom line. Yeah. I mean, I'm I can be like that sometimes. Like I say, listen, I know I want that machine. You don't need to sell me. Yeah. I want to buy it. Yeah. Here's my money. I pay. I earn yeah. it. Give it to me, right? Yeah. And, and I don't really want to be told about what they what they stand for. Yeah. I'm not interested. I, I can be that way myself. Right? I get it. So what I'm trying to work out is here is. Uh, how you bridge the gap, you have with your HR experience in dealing with these individuals, how you sort of manage your expectations internally, um, and do you ever have at times, time, are there ever at times issues that sort of mean you have to compromise just to make the transaction? Uh, a little bit. I guess my role is staff and customers. You know, I've I got 230-odd staff, and... Every one of them has their own needs. Most of them are younger. So, you know, because we're hospitality and a lot of them probably hospitality isn't or prior to the pandemic anyway, wasn't what they wanted to do in their life. You know, they, they might be at uni, they might be doing it while they're acting. They might be doing it while they're doing a permaculture course up in Byron. So I guess, you know, it's a bit like the investment banker. They don't really maybe, um, they don't really care. They're, like, they're just as arrogant as investment banking yeah, from a different point of view. Yeah, but I guess with the with the ducks, we no matter if you're here for one shift a week or if it's your full time job or if it's you know just here for four or five months, I guess you have to buy in and buy into the idea that that we've created. We create venues and I guess restaurants that we would want to go to. Um, like if you look at them, we've got a little seaside cafe. We've got a restaurant on a farm, an 87-acre farm in Byron. We've got a nightclub in Byron. We've got a restaurant in a five-star hotel in Brisbane. We've got a restaurant that we haven't yet opened yet because of the pandemic at a wave pool in, in Melbourne. Um, and then we've got a restaurant and event space in a warehouse in Rosebury. They're all completely different. And we do that because they're venues that we want to, I guess, they look cool or they, they excite us and they're not cookie cutter. And we need the staff, I guess, to buy into that. It's a bit of a dream, you know, like come and work for us. We'll treat you right. We'll give you a good time. No matter if it wasn't your, you know, what you wanted to do, well, we'll make it something that, you know, you buy into and that you want to, you want to do. And as a result, people that think, oh yeah, I'll just go there for six months. And all of a sudden they're, you know, they're here five years later. And I think customers are very much the same. They go into a cafe and they go in, this is what I want. Like I want avocado on toast with eggs, you know, don't give me all your organic and blah, 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 blah. But if you wanted that, just make it for yourself at home or get it at the cafe down the road. You know, we do what we do and we try to appease every customer in terms of you can buy something for $2 and you can buy something for $200 at our restaurants and everywhere in between. But we're not going to, I guess, cook exactly what you wanted at home. Go and do it yourself, you know, or go to the place next but do you, door. Do you, think, do you think like in, in lean times, particularly in the hospitality industry, which is like they're getting mm. hit hard, do you think that that's um, the privilege to be able to be in that position, the position you guys are in at any stage is at risk? Like I'm in the home line industry, right? And we bend ourselves over backwards to get a line approved. Mm. I, I say to my guys, you just do whatever you can do to make sure this deal gets done. And sometimes we can't do them. Generally speaking, whereas you know banks have the attitude, 
like what you're saying, they say, you don't fit my criteria, go down the road. Yeah. Which, by the way, I love because I get them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that's great for yeah. me. Um, do you think that you can be ever get perceived that way? I, I definitely know what In you're saying. In a brand? I'm not saying that we, we're not malleable and that we don't change and adapt to customers' needs, but it's not – I guess you you have to you have to stand for what you stand no, for I get, in I get some it. respect. What, but guess, where, where do you balance it? Because I mean, we got people listening to this who will be saying, "Okay, well, they're a successful group." Well, you know, you guys are everywhere, and I mean, I I had never been to the farm, but I have a property up that way, and uh, everyone always tells me you got to wait for hours to get in there. <laughs> um, and so obviously, you're doing something right. Um, uh, go now, go now, because there's less lines now, less lines now. So, but. Um, I, I guess what I'm trying to ask you to give me a view and opinion on or, or share some of your experience on it to our listeners is where do the principles in relation to the business that then get reflected in the brand or the ethos or the morals or the ethics? It could be about organic food. It could, can be about just, as you said, yeah. uh, small independent producers of beer, for example. Yeah. We only supply those. When do you and how do you work out where the compromises have to be? Do you sit down – with the proprietors of the three blue ducks, or do you sit down with your chefs, or I mean, who who gets involved in this decision making? Yeah, yeah, because you know, like, at the end of the day, you got to cater for the demand. Yeah, the 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 owners and the I guess the key kind of key managers and in in each kind of area, you know, we any any different whether it's a product or idea or even um, business opportunity like new site or whatever, we all weigh that up. You know, and the biggest thing is like we won't, I guess, sell out. It doesn't matter, I guess, if what's a, so if Coca Cola came to us and say, "Hey, we want to hold our event." No problems. We got no problems taking your money and providing you with awesome food and beverage. But if Coca Cola come to us and said, "We'll only do this event if you then put Coca Cola on the menu," what's well, a no? You know, straight and, up. Yeah, and so so I guess what I'm saying is, you know. We have no issue with everybody being yeah, our customer. That's an interesting point. So when does that privilege, the ability to be able to say that, to be able to stand your ground, mm. become compromised? I mean, you're saying we. the assumption that you're making there is that um, you'll still get customers who want who don't want Coca-Cola. Well, yeah, and yeah. hopefully we'll get new customers that go, well, we're buying into that as well. Like we – we like the venues that they've created or the food that they've created and we, we want we want to do that. Right? I, I just think you're the farm. Do you think people go up there because of that or do you think people go to Byron Bay and they think I should have been, I've got to take the family to the farm because there's swings there and kids love a bit of fun and uh, it's just one of those experiences. They don't really, really know what the experience is. They don't know what you stand for. for they sure. just say, I've just got to go to the farm. Because, it's sure. one of, because I mean, up in Byron, the farm is one, one of the joints everyone goes to when they visit That's Byron. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah? So, so I, I think at least maybe eighty or ninety percent of people have no idea, and they don't give know? a shit whether you sell that's independent right. beer or that's right. or whatever. And they come up and say, "Oh, where's where's the VB?" Yeah. You know, but it, it doesn't really matter. You know, they're still there. Yeah, but do you, think that's they, be, do you think that's because they 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 believe in your ethos, or do you think that because I'm not trying to get to is you're such an important destination in yeah. Byron, for example, because it's anyone I know of yeah. um, that. Irrespective, you could be selling. Uh, you could be selling anything. But how did it get to that point? Because it's not in town. It's outside. You know, you have to drive there. It's a destination. So it's only got to that point, and the success it has, I think, because of what we've done. That's interesting. That, that, that's really cool. So, like uh, you and the team, everybody else, you build a brand. You build a brand that um, has created the destination. Yeah. As opposed to. The destination being a destination because, like, one of the things about the farm is it's a farm. Mm-hmm. You grow your own veggies and stuff like that. I can see it. I've been yeah. past a million times. Um, you've got – it's very accommodative. I mean, it's quite nice to look at sort of thing. Yeah. You know? um, yep. It's also accommodative. You've got things for kids to do and, yep. you know, you can take, you know, your four kids and you yep. can go with your, your, your mate who's got another four kids and, you know, yep. they can run around. But that's what I've always seen the farm as. I actually didn't know the farm stood for those things. I, I didn't realise that. Yeah. I just thought it was a place people went to because it was a destination with things to do as yeah. opposed to what you stood for. Maybe you're right. Maybe that's how it started and it just got its own momentum and uh, yeah. there's a hard to put science around this stuff. But uh, maybe it is because you, st- you stood for something in the beginning. Yeah. You got a local following. I mean, like, you know, people in Byron love that sort of stuff. A lot of people yeah. are like-minded up there yeah. in relation to those sorts of concepts. Yeah. Um, and then over time – it just got so much momentum, like a comet. Like, 
everything got attracted to it. Yeah. And then at some stage, maybe the place has overtaken what you originally stood for. Yeah. What the original customers were going there for. They probably still come back. When, when COVID happened, we literally went back to locals only because that's all it was. Oh, really? You know? And we, we went from doing whatever we do a day to literally 1% or 2% of what we used to do. And the people that came were the locals. And it was like building a business all over again. Um, That's because, interesting. Because no one was in Byron. You couldn't holiday at that time. So they, you know, came in for their morning coffee and their loaf of bread and it just went back to the absolute basics. And even what we offered was the absolute basic, you know, that we were- You reduced the menu. Well, we, we didn't even have a menu. Remember when it went down to takeaway only? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we didn't even do takeaway food for that first week because we, we didn't know, you know, there was only maybe 40 people a day that would walk into the farm and get their coffee and it was literally just the owners standing there and making the coffee and talking to the locals and then over the first week it grew a little bit more and the second week a bit more and then we started offering two items for takeaway food, you know, and it, it was like building a business all over again. Um, so it, it definitely, again, in this period started locals only, and then it got to July school holidays and nobody, can, nobody can travel overseas anymore. Yeah, we're mental. I know. Yeah. Everything's mental up there. Yeah. I mean, I, I got a mate, actually funny, I, I was interviewing you today because I got a mate I was speaking to on the weekend and he said he took his kids up to uh, Byron at, in the school holidays, July school holidays. Yeah. And he said, to be honest with you, Mark, it was actually a punish. He said, because I had to cook all the time. He said, because I couldn't get in any restaurant. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't get in anywhere. Everything was so, every restaurant was booked out. He said, not only before he even got there, he went up to the farm. He said, he said he waited there for a couple of hours. He said, fortunately, there's stuff there for the kids to do, so the kids yeah. weren't bored. Um, and you know, it was okay. It was like a bit of an outing, yeah. and not just going to for lunch. But it was a bit of an outing thing. They were able to stay a bit longer. Um, it seems to me that someone like Byron is going to probably benefit from the COVID. Byron restaurants and cafes could well benefit from the COVID environment because people are all going to go to Byron. Either that, or you're going to go to the south coast. Where else? Well, Coffs Harbour. Yeah. I don't know. You get it. We're going to go. Yeah, I mean, there's only a few places. Well, we can't. To go. We can't travel over the borders now, can yeah. we? No. So we're we're stuck in New South Wales, and New South Wales has a lot to offer. You know, that's why I live here anyway. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we we every chance I get, I'm saying to my wife, hey, you know, where can we go that weekend? You know, where can we where can we go next? And all of those regional places, I think, will be exposed, um, you know, to a lot more customers. I'm, I've got a little restaurant down the coast um, and it's two hours from Sydney. It's that sweet spot for a weekend. And we're doing now what we usually do in middle of summer. You know, it's, it's busy because people can't go to Fiji or Europe for the European summer, you know, and they still need that outlet of, I guess, leisure and you know, they probably need it more than ever. They need that headspace. And if I could just go take take us back just a little bit, um, just give me a little bit of history lesson here. Um, my recollection of Three Ducks yep. is that a place in Bronte or Clovelly or something like that, like a yeah. little restaurant there on the water. Ten years ago, ten next years month. ago. Yeah, right. So that little little just a little cafe joint. Yeah, it's still there. Oh, is it? And Bronte was it Bronte? Bronte, yeah, yeah on McPherson Street. Right, we were the okay. only cafe. Yeah, only coffee machine. Now there's seven of them. And yeah. So started there. Yeah. Then what happened? Uh, so there's three boys that started that, um, and there's still three of the owners today. And they thought, oh, you know, we'll have a have a bit of a crack. It was an old chicken shop, and they actually had a space out the back that was meant to be the guitar room, and they have the TV on to watch m music videos and surfing videos because they thought that's what it would be like. And um, I think the first weekend that they opened. One of the boys had to get his auntie in to get on the till because it was so busy, and yeah, it just snowballed from there. Um, and then, yeah, they they well, next? kind of what built, now built a name. Uh, they did for three years in a row. They did in Falls Creek restaurant down there, so they do the season down there. So we still had Bronte, yep. um, but they do the season down in Falls Creek, and you know, again, Falls Creek, eastern suburbs. There's a lot of crossover, same people, and so I guess they they built that cult kind of following and those people that would go each year. And then that's when the farm opportunity came up and it was a big pie in the sky idea. I actually worked for a, a different restaurant group at the time and I got told about it and we got asked to do it. Probably he was negotiating with a few people and we were like, Byron, like 10, is it the, like the landlord, you mean? Is it? Yeah. yeah, the landlord. So, so, oh, so they don't own the real estate. They rent the real estate. The, the, the ducks? Farm, the no, farm. no. We don't own the real estate. 
um, where a where a landlord tenant. It's, yeah, yeah. Um, there's a series of you know micro businesses. So there's a baker, there's a um, flower um, nursery there. There's the farmers that own their individual plots. So they you know, one guy does just lettuces and greens. One guy does. Oh, so that's not you guys uh, growing the stuff there. So we've got a little bit of plant stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, like herbs and soft herbs and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then we have, there's four different mum and dad type growers and they sell us the product. We yep. we buy all their product. Yep. And then the farm also do a little bit of stuff with the animals, the chickens, the pork and things like that. And so it's like a real community. Yeah. The farm is a community itself. For sure. Yeah. So so we opened that in Byron yeah. and I remember opening that, well, going up the day before the open and I said to the boys, okay, so I'd come from corporate hospitality. I was like, okay, so what are we doing on our first few training days? They go, what training days? We've got, we got tomorrow with the staff and then we'll open tomorrow night. And I was like, I, I, my eyes were open and I said like, even if we're not busy, this place is big, like it, it can do a lot of people. And anyway, so we flashed together a quick day's plan of what we we're going to teach the, all the staff in that time. And yeah, we trained them for one day. We opened that night to friends and family. And then the next day was Easter and Easter in Byron, even five years ago was crazy. And from then on, you know, I guess we never looked back. Um, a year later, we got an opportunity um, in Rosebury. The old kitchen by Mike was there and he, he had left and there he co-owned the space or co-tenanted the space with Coskella, which an Australian-made uh, furniture company. And they were actually residents across the road from the cafe in Bronte. So we knew them and they said, come on, please come and come and take the space. We think you guys would be great. And yeah, we did that. We do, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner. We do a lot of weddings. We do a lot of corporate functions because you can make the space into whatever you want. Um, so that was really successful. Um, albeit we had three venues now and we weren't set up. You know, it was literally me, a girl on the phones that, you know, also doubled as the event coordinator or also doubled as the accountant. Um, and then we had uh, Jeff, one of the owners, I guess that they, we were the whole head office, so to speak. And already we had 150 staff. So we had to very quickly, um, I guess, develop those key portions so of the let's business. So just, let's just move on to the next one though. Where's after that? So Bronte, then Byron, then Rosebury. Yeah. And then the next one was Brisbane, um, which we did with the W Hotel in Brisbane. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that was 2018. So that was fast forward two more years. Um, and again, we, we kind of did that again. It wasn't, it was kind of thrown in our lap, just emailed through the the website, hey, we've got this space, we were going to do it ourselves, but would you like to take a look? And this was a massive billion-dollar construction, three towers, I guess very unlike everything else we'd done, but it was the chance to get in with a big property uh, property and hotel group. So can I, can I just stop you there? Because it seems to me that your audience to some extent is people build a big have a development, have a farm or have a you know, big development in Brisbane or et cetera, or have a, a vacant premises. We're looking for an operator. Yeah. So maybe one of the things that you guys bring is, I mean, in terms of your brand, is that you guys are good operators for a start. I mean, to yep. the landlord, you're a good operator. Yep. Which means you're going to get a following. Yeah. That, that obviously know you get a following. and But you you can you can carve it up pretty easy. You know you know what you're doing. You can bring in the right people. You can recruit well. Yep. You can order your food right. You've got probably got a balance sheet which is not putting too much pressure on you in terms of, you know, you know, one new venue being affected by another venue. So the, the, the landlord sees you. So you're, you're a transportable or a buyable venue operator and, and, and landlords need that sort of stuff, which is, hmm. that, that's a big part of your brand. And mm -hmm. when it comes to the consumer, well, there's probably a whole lot of different things consumers think about your brand. You're, you're trendy, you're cool, you're a must-do, you must-go-to destination, we, or alternatively, we just like what you stand for. I mean, yep. Or any of those, or all, any combination of all that sort of stuff. Yep. And that, that's, uh, that, that's a fairly good um, standing yes. in, in the community yeah. over a period of 10 years. That's, that's a pretty good build. But that's very purposeful, very strategic to me. Yeah, and whether they did it on purpose, I mean, you're being very casual about it, and sort of saying, oh, "Well, you know, this opportunity arose." But I, my my gut feeling is there's a lot of drive in there, there's a lot of determination in there. There's, a, I mean, you know, you might have only had one day to open up the one of the farm, but 
there's a lot goes into it behind the scenes. It, my gut feeling is because I don't want anyone out there listening to this thing. Oh wow, I could do all that. <laughs> there's a lot goes into this stuff. A lot yeah. of thought, a lot of process, a lot of supply chain, a lot of uh, you know staffing, a lot of you know yeah. making sure even if you only have a day of training, there's someone on the floor on the day saying, "Hey, move over." Hey, there's someone over there needs some help for sure. Um, and then 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 there's those situations where you have to pivot, like during the COVID period, where everyone goes, "Sorry, we have to all go home." We're going to get JobKeeper for you, whatever it is, yep. um, and we're just going to roll our sleeves up as the owners and we're going to start getting back on the tools again. Yeah. So am I right? 100% right. Like we – what started out, I think the first one maybe was a little bit of luck, but those three individuals that, that started it, Mark, the chef, he he could talk his way into anything. He's He's very driven. If he says he's going to do something, he will put his mind to it and do it. Hell or leather, he will do it. Um, Chris, who I guess he's the whole sustainable guy and the the one the ethics behind it, and he's never let us waver from that. Um, but also, he's he's just solid. He's dependable. Um, and Sam, Sam loves to surf. He's a free spirit, and I think that combination people like that. We lucked into something almost. You know, we got a niche that maybe wasn't being tickled at that time. Since then, though. Everything that's happened has been somewhat calculated and also definitely since I've been on board, which is the last five and a bit years, we do not go into something that is overly risky. We make sure that we plan out what we do. We, we plan, I guess, if things fail and things haven't always worked, you know, mm. we, we do venues, um, well, we plan for certain venues in a certain way and it changes. You spend more money than what you thought. You, the customer that you thought would be there isn't there. And so you have to change, change that. Bloody hell, we've just poured in nearly $2 million into a restaurant in Melbourne, in a wave park in right next to the airport that I don't know when that's going to open. You know, that could be six months from now, you know? Um, and we started that journey two years ago, you know, so things change and, we, we've got a beautiful venue down there, but you know, where I'm currently as of this afternoon, me and, uh, one of our owners that's down there, he, he's on MasterChef. Uh, he's going into the site, he's getting the furniture that was for there. And we're going to take it up to Byron to the nightclub, which we can't open as in a nightclub and turn it into a restaurant. I want to talk about that. I need to go to the break, but I want to come back talk about pivoting. So, okay. Because I mean, yep. you're obviously being confronted by some situations at the moment, which is outside of your control. I do want to talk about the whole pivot process. So yep. we'll just go to a, a break, come straight back. We're back with Paul Jewhurst. Um, we were just talking through um, a number of things, and in particular uh, we are talking about uh, some of Paul's early experience, and I was trying to drag out of him, you know, how does uh, that experience actually help you bridge the gaps between uh, customers' expectations and staff's uh, expectations, overlay that with, you know, the company's ethos and uh, what the company stands for and what the brand stands for. These guys have got a designer concept, a proper designer concept. And I don't mean that in a flash way. I, I mean they stand for something when it comes to their food as purveyors of food, which is cool. Um, but I, I want to talk about um, the, the, the concept, and Paul touched on it earlier on, when COVID first hit yeah. it presented a, a big problem, and there are a lot of people that go, oh, yeah. COVID's a problem and it's a drama. Yeah, well, the bottom line is, at yeah. your business, roll your sleeves up and do something about it. So Paul was telling us that the owners were back on the tools. Yeah. Yeah? Well, they, they never really left the tools. They always work. They're employees as well as owners. But they were forced to do a lot more in terms of in the venues and, yeah, cooking, making coffee, serving customers, and they're still doing that five months on um, because – yeah, we. What do you think they get out of that? They mention to you what they feel, what they they feel as though they're getting. Because I got, I, I want to give you a cite you an example in relation to myself. Um, so I think they what they get is people uh, give us a bit of respect because we're in there in the trenches with them, you know. And so it, someone's making coffee with two other people. They they're like, oh, he's one of the owners, and he's here doing a 10 hour day, you know, and he's here at five thirty in the morning to open the coffee machine, you know, and he's here at the end saying goodbye to me at the end. And he's doing that more than any other person, you know, and that leading from the front, um, you know, all the boys have done it. 
Do you think that helps a brand? For sure. Because if you have strong staff following you and I guess are invested in buying in, of course it helps the brand. Because if you're just putting down a menu and, hey, what coffee do you want? What breakfast do you want? Well, you can go anywhere for that, you know? What makes people come back is that person that actually cares about, you know, how's your daughter? You know, oh, John, what are you doing um, on the weekend? You know, and they actually see them three times a week. So they do care, you know. So that, that's an important point because I just want to, I want to dwell on that for a second. So what's one, Mark is one of the owners. Yep, okay, Mark. let's use Mark as an example um, and or you for that matter. Um, let's assume you care. Yep. And assume Mark cares about his customers. Yep. You've actually got to express it. You've got to show you care. You've got to show the customer you care. Yeah. So you've got to walk up and say, how are you today, Paul? Yep. How are you today, Paul? Yep. Um, be nice to address them by their first name. Yep. That's the first thing. Um, secondly, in terms of caring, people don't believe you care unless you know something about them. Mm. So you've got to know that they've got a kid. Yep. You've got to actually inquire. People like For to talk sure. about themselves. That's right. Like, how are you going? Well, people don't normally ask you how you're going. So, well, you want to tell it. You want yeah. to tell it back. All these things help your brand, yeah. the, the brand of yeah. the Three Blue Ducks. I mean, is that what you're saying that they do? Is that a natural thing for these guys or and or how do you get your staff to do it as well? And or if it's not natural, how do you prepare for it? I think it starts with the staff and the owners. Right. You know, if, if you ask someone before you leave work at night, what are you doing tonight? Oh, you're going out with X, Y, Z. Oh, awesome. Which restaurant are you going to? Because you actually maybe are genuinely interested and then they then come into work the next day and they do the same thing to the customer that's there bright and early, you're all half asleep. Yeah, I just want my strong flat white, please. And oh yeah, what's on the agenda today? Oh, you're going to take your dog to the vet. Like it, it sounds so, so simple, but if you think back to the McDonald's concept and – it's would you like fries with that? They're not. They're not going to even a, like a little bit of effort, you know. And I think I don't have a job without the customers coming to the restaurant. So customers aren't going to come to the restaurant unless they're treated well and they're getting a good product and they're, you know, they're made to feel like yeah, I'd come back to this place because it's different or it's cool or it's um, the food's good or the customer knew my name. Oh well, if I'm in the eastern suburbs or in my, I'm in Byron or if I'm in Rosebury. I'll go there instead of the other 400 places I could go. Can I, because they, because recently I had an experience where I went to buy a pair of runners and I went in there and there was young people there and um, serving. Uh, and um, the first thing the girl said to me, when I was trying the shoes. I said, I want a size 11 and a half, blah, 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 blah. Right. And I just, I knew exactly what I wanted. Um, I could either buy them online or that, but I've actually wanted to have a look at these and try them on first. So, but she would then did the thing where she went, um, and what's planned for the weekend today? It was like uh, salesmanship 101, um, you know, like, and I thought, I don't want yep. to tell you, like, uh, <laughs> you know, like, what's none of your business sort of thing, you know, because it's like private to me, you know, like, uh, yeah. well, where, where do you, where's this uh, sort of line drawn? I mean, how do you teach your staff? I get it, you, what you do, you, you, you ask staff about how they're going, mm. but where, where's the line drawn between the, you know, too much and or a fake looking feeling. Yeah, for sure. Like I think you, they, we, and we teach them like we to read their customers. Some customers, they just want to be left alone. They want to sit with their partner and have a chat and they're, or, or they're, it's a business meeting or they're on their laptop and they're doing two hours of work by themselves, but they're having breakfast and coffee and, and whatever. Cause I, I, I personally, I wouldn't know. Like yep. I'm, I'm intrigued as to how businesses like, the business you're you're in, yeah, do this so well, um, and uh, and well, so, who, who teaches these? So people? even though we're not McDonald's, right? Yeah, we have we do have a steps of service. The steps of service surround you know every table will get a check back. Every this happens at this time. You know you put the cutlery down at the right time. You ask for certain things at the right time. You make sure at the end of the meal they get dessert menus put down. All that is that written? That's written. Okay, so that's very important to me. I'm always talking about. Write down your process as yep. a business. You should yep. have your processes written down yep. at every stage. Yep. And that, that's really important. So that's written out. It's however, however, yes, you have to do things in that order and make yep. sure all those things happen. Um, however, you've got a personality. You know, you come from a place, you've got your own life, and we want you to have that with the customer if they want it. Yep. You know, I guess the, the tight team in and around me and under me are uh, – 
like-minded, they're hardworking, they're loyal, they're trustworthy, um, they've got a personality. Even our accountant who, you know, number cruncher, she's got a personality, you know, and she's, she's I guess that's why we, we recruit like-minded people that are all in the same boat that have that buy-in to our business. And it sounds so wanky, like it sounds so um, out of a textbook, you know, you've got to have the right culture and all that kind of stuff. And I don't think, well, for a long time, I don't think we consciously did it, um, but there's this saying, whenever we're um, recruiting, particularly for a higher level position, a manager or, or someone in the head office or something, we do the interview and we say, yeah, they could do the job and they're trustworthy and they're all this, but are they a duck? And if they're a duck, they're a duck or they're not a duck. And it's chalk and cheese. You know if they're a duck or they can be a duck or they're not. And we're all different, but we're all got that buy-in, you know, and we've all got that maybe a little bit of quirkiness and a little bit of flame, you know? Yeah, that's interesting. So uh, yeah. you've actually got a word for it. Yeah. Uh, you call them a duck. Yeah, yeah. I, I get that. And uh, I mean, we, we used to sort of say, well, we still say yellow brick road, you know, does, did they have the gold running through their blood? Like you know, yeah. the yellow, for the yellow brick road business. Because what I found myself doing recently, more recently, is um, particularly in Victoria, is I've been ringing up uh, all my branch owners down there. Um, and in the beginning, I thought there's something I should do, I've got to do, because uh, ultimately they're my customers, the, these guys in these branches and girls in the branches. But what I found is it's gone from being something I should do to something I'm enjoying doing. Mm. I mean, not only learning about what's going, actually going on in Victoria, not only am I finding out about how resilient these small business owners are, um, but I'm also learning about the business. I'm learning more about my business as yeah. well, because their business is my business effectively. Yeah. And um, I'm actually enjoying the conversations and I'm having conversations with people one-on-one -on -one where ordinarily I'll be addressing everyone at once. Like, you know, yeah. like this afternoon I'll, I'll do a, you know, we'll do a Zoom conference about digital marketing and I'll be talking to everybody at the same time. There'll be, you know, a couple hundred people on there. Um, but it's, it's quite interesting to talk to people who work with you one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. You know, you learn about the people and it's actually good for me because I'm pretty much isolated all yeah. day and don't see very many people at all because most of our staff work from home now, I'm finding it's quite a, a good therapeutic for me. Yeah, um, definitely. So I would thought, I would think that in your game, mm. at the front front line, that is the interaction between the, the wait staff yep. and the consumer, yep. is actually could be quite therapeutic for the wait staff too. For and, sure. And equally for the consumer because they might be yeah. more open to talking about stuff today than they ever have been in the past. Because yeah. one of the reasons you're going out is to get out. That's right. Because you think I'm stuck at home all the time. I mean, one of the things I, I really look forward to in the morning is just get my cup of coffee outside. Yep. Um, because yeah. I find I talk, well, normally I wouldn't talk, but I find I talk to the guy who makes me coffee a bit more often That's now. That's right. And he actually, I can see he's, he's normally flat stick, sort of going hard making coffees, but he's actually sort of stopping for a moment or two and, having a chat yep. to everybody. So this might well be a period, and especially those people listening to the audience, this may well be a period for the front line in retail to really build their business. And, you know, we talk about online taking away from everything, you know, and saying everything's going to be done online. Maybe something's going to be done online, but to be frank with you, I think hospitality may actually rise out of this bigger and stronger than ever before. Because people might yeah. say, I'm work from home now more often. Uh, I don't even see people on a train anymore. Be before you used to catch a train or a bus, you see, at yeah. least see people. Now I, I don't want to go on a train or a bus because it's a punish because it takes too long. Yeah. Um, and also I'm getting exposed to, you know, all the virus yeah. stuff going on around, around the world. So I don't want to do that. So I'm going to stay home. Yeah. And also, you know, my organisation allows me to stay home because yeah. I can do everything online, you know. It's, yep. But hang on. I really want to get a – I just need some interaction because I'm, yeah. I'm a human. I'm a person. So – I'm going to go get myself a coffee. So where can, where can I get the interaction? I've got that grouse barista down the road there who's always very friendly to me. Yep. And it's a nice warm environment. Yeah. He knows my name. He says, hey, go on, Mark. What's on today? You know, I can choose whether I tell him or not. Um, he makes me a good cup of coffee. <laughs> he, he offers me a biscuit or something like that. And, uh, and, yep. and, and there are people around there, even though they're two or three metres away from me, there's still people. There's people yep. in my That's life. Right. You know yep. what I mean? Like. Maybe this is out of all this is not only is Byron, for example, going to become you know like the hot, hot one of the hottest places on the on the map in Australia for New South Welshmen, but people are going to be driven to go out to places. Yeah, because one of the reasons they've gone away in the first place is because they're they're actually seeking some community. That's right. And if you get into a place like the farm, 
actually built like a community. It's not just a cafe. It's farms. There's you know, kids can walk up and down and see how the you know animals the are. rocket gets grown, wherever the animals are, and they can probably yep. pick a bit of rocket if they want to. Yep, and, definitely. Um, there's probably swings there and a bit of other stuff, and the parents can see the kids having a good time too. Yeah. So maybe what we're seeing here is the uh, we will see a big you know they talk about the V shaped recovery. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the bounce in hospitality. Yeah. There may be a massive bounce in hospitality because of all this. What do you think? I think it'll get rid of the bad operators. Yeah. Um, and when I say bad operators, um, maybe the the people that were just in it to just a just, process, just to, just to be, just to have a job, just turn over, just whatever. Yeah, yeah, you know, no. I think I think that so they will close um, because also even with the business side or the the, the stimulus, the job keeper, all that kind of the government grants from the New South Wales government, all that. You, you actually have to be pretty savvy with it all. You can't you can't just go, oh, they're on the job keeper, so they're sweet. You know, we we analyze all that stuff to work out exactly how we can get the most from it, and we've tailored our business around it. Um, in this time, we're not open for as many services as what we used to be. Um, we've got certain staff working certain things. You you got to be really savvy, and I think it, it will get rid of the people that a either were bad operators in the first place. Or B, maybe don't give a shit. And so they will go. And therefore, there will be more staff out there. And we're finding it already that there's better staff. And so then we can hold our staff to more account because they really value their job now, you know, whereas before they could walk right next door and get a job like that, same money or more. Now, you know, they, they need their job. They used to be able to shop you. Now they can't shop you. That's right. That's right. But we can now... As other places close or whatever, we can go, oh, yeah, that, that person is really good. Let's get them. You know, they can make a difference to our business. And so I do think the hospitality that is left will be better. I still think particularly in the in the cities, it's going to be pretty brutal. Yeah, I think that's probably right because there's less people in the cities. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the, but, again, the good ones will survive. I mean, the, yeah. because the, there's enough people who will frequent the good ones because those There's less who, of them. And correct, and those people who are in the city are going to look, be looking for exactly the same thing as those people who go to Byron for a holiday. That's right. Um, and I think that's that's going to be part of the rise, and if you, that's part of the pivot too. You know, if you're in this industry, yeah, um, you've got to grab hold of that because you just said a few moments ago you're very purposeful your organisation. You guys grab hold of all the things that are important at the moment. You know what you stand for is important. Your branding is important. Again, this sense of comfort is important. Interaction between staff and um, customers is important. Um, making sure the customers know what you stand for is important. Um, it just, even things like uh, knowing how to manage recruitment. I mean, we know, you know, that recruiting is better for you because right now other people are going to be closing down, whereas before there was just too many opportunities for people to just go and be yeah. lazy and work anywhere for 25 bucks an hour. Yeah. And uh, but, so – if you're in this industry or any industry for that matter, um, in terms of pivoting your business, you've got to think where are the opportunities. I mean, some people have been doing takeaway opportunities. I get all that. Um, but where are the opportunities? What's, what are the changes? How are people changing? Assess yourself. Survey yourself for a start. What do I like doing? Yeah. I mean, I, I, mean, I wouldn't have – I have no chance to run a cafe, but I do know what I, what I like as a customer. Yeah. And then uh, I think I would definitely go for those things because I think I'm like my. I think there are a lot of people who think similarly to me, yeah. Um, and because I know people are experiencing the same shit I'm experiencing, yeah. I mean, I just, as I said, I literally sit in my office all day and yeah. see maybe one person, and that's probably through Zoom. Yeah. Now I do everything by Zoom. It is not the same. No, no way. And uh, and therefore my only fix of these things is actually to go across. To be frank with you, to go across to a cafe or a restaurant. And you guys are right in the middle of it. I mean, you would never have known COVID's coming, so it's just by <laughs> chance you've created this brand and this system of delivering um, messages and feelings and outcomes as well as food, but just yeah. outcomes that actually fits perfectly into what the demand is. The demand is, and I'll, I'll be very respectful here, the demand is not so much for your thesis on um, independent beers and stuff like that. It, that's that's nice to have. Yeah. But the necessity is that you, what you're delivering is good quality, old-fashioned service yep. to customers on time. Price range is obviously right. The, the content of the food is obviously right. Yeah. 
and environment is obviously right. See, I mean, I would have thought you guys in a great position. Yeah, yeah. I think it's still it's still very scary in terms of what happens when the stimulus goes. Yeah, yeah. And I think what we're doing right now is making sure that whenever that does finish, that we're in the best possible position because who knows what happens after that. But um, yeah, I, I'm it a is bit scary. Like you. It's scary, but it's it's not. I don't think it's uh, life or death. No, 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 no. Because people no. will still need to get these things. That's right. The question right. is, can you fashion your business such that your costs are less than your revenue? Yeah. That's going to be the issue. Yeah. And that that's that comes down to- It's my whole job. Yeah, well, that's what it, <laughs> And that comes down to make sure you don't pay too much rent. It comes down to make sure you don't pay too much in staff. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's sort of how you're going to have to fashion the business, I think, going forward. Yeah. I, th- I think we've had to be we had to be honest since day one when we when we stood everyone down, including the owners, we were just blatantly on it honest. And then all the way back, and we were like that with our suppliers as well. We had you know debts outstanding to our suppliers of between five days and thirty five days because that's their payment cycles. And you know when we stopped, we said we don't know when we can pay you. We we're, we'll work it out over the next few weeks and months. Um, and obviously since then we've got rid of every single debt that we ever had and we've, we've made sure that we're in the best possible position, but I think, yeah, going forward, we've had those honest conversations with people, you know, we've been upfront about the state of the business and also what we don't know. Cause we don't know a, a lot of what will happen. Nor do they, the suppliers no. either. They, and they're going to, they're going to have to take a risk. That, that's they, right. They're going to have to go with you. Yeah. Because, by the way, you're ordering a lot of stuff. Yeah. You're a big customer. That's right. And if all of a sudden you go belly up, they're going to have trouble. Not only they're not going to get their money, but they're not going to get their future orders from you. That's right. And they've got people they've got to pay. And everyone, yeah, in terms of that, everyone's invested. Like, I guess I'm honest with my staff and and everyone as well. I've got a vested interest. Do do I think I'm going to walk into a job that's like this with everything I've got at the moment if this company goes under? No, no chance. You know, it's, um, it, you have to make what you've got work and you have to be in a good position better, better for when we do, you know, get out of this, which we will, I'm sure we will. Um, I actually think there are going to be opportunities for us, for, for the ducks come up in the next few kind of months, years, you know, not that we'll have to jump at them all. We're getting thrown stuff left, right and center, you know. Every leasing agent under the sun wants, yeah, 100%. wants something now. They want an operator yeah. to, to run it. We'll pay you to come in. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I guess we're, um, you know, we've still got two and a half venues that aren't really open, you know, or open in such a limited capacity, and we've got to make sure that we get them open when they're, when they're viable to be open. Um, if we all don't give a little in some respects, then – we all go down, you know, and it's like you said with the staff, like we, we've all given, taken a hit, you know, and as long as we all keep taking that hit and we build it back up slowly, but surely, um, then eventually we all are in the same boat pre COVID at some point and, you know, and we'll we get there. Do you think we'll get back to where we were? I mean, what is your proprietors and what are you guys all saying when you all sit around, you know, in a, in a group, what's the, the, the general consensus or the conventional wisdom of like we we run our company as a group yeah. right but there's some venues that are better off than before just via the stimulus just by Bronte for example you know for the last 5 years I'll be honest it hasn't made much money it it does what it does you know it services the locals we've probably kept it because it was the birthplace and the home and to wind it up or sell it probably Sen- sentimental sentimental yeah. yeah and people like that story of, oh yeah, that's where it all started because yeah, it's yeah. such a tiny little place. Now, since COVID, people in the eastern suburbs haven't lost their jobs. They are all working from home. They still want, like you said, to go out and see people and go to their little cafe. So all of a sudden, hey, it's boom time in the eastern suburbs, you know? And so that place is going phenomenally um, compared to what it was and also like I said, we're using the stimulus, we're using the job keeper, we're using the tools that we're being given and we're very structured and analytical about how to make the best of those things. We've changed our business. So we've got a little produce store of take-home meals, which everyone wants because they're at home all day. Cooking was great for the first, you know, 
month or two, everyone was... Forget it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that's been really good for us as well. So some businesses are better, but as a group, obviously, we're, we're nowhere near what we were, but we're utilizing the tools we have to make sure we don't go backwards. Um, and, you know, I guess we're, we're treading water to an extent, but there are definitely opportunities. What about the one down in Melbourne? Tell me about that. Like yeah. Near the airport, the, the, the wave pool. Like who yeah. owns that wave pool? So two years ago, one of our Bronte regulars again, he came to me and he's like, mate, I'm an investor and a shareholder in this, you know, wave pool. And I was like, yeah, like I've heard all this stuff before. I'm a surfer. So are all the boys. We, we love it. But yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. Anyway. He showed us this, I guess, a deck and some videos. I was like, oh, yeah, but we'll see. Anyway, they just kept hounding us and hounding us. And either they were going to put someone like Spotless, so a big catering yeah, yeah. company in to do the food and beverage in like the park. Like, yeah, the football grounds. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So either do that or they go, but we've Specialty. got this space that's basically like your shed in Byron or your warehouse in Rosebury that we think would be ideal for you. You can, you know, go and grow some herbs in different places on the property because it's so big. Um, there's, you know, big plans for the future. And let's face it, like I said, we're surfers and and it's cool. And so then we got down to the nitty gritty and we're like, all right, let, let's get on board. You know, we ran the numbers, we did the right rent deal and we kind of set it all up from before. The biggest issue that we had is that we're either in Sydney or Byron, that's where all of us live, and we're opening something 10 hours away or an hour flight or whatever. But we thought, yep, we can make it work, you know? So we got in, we started building towards the end of last year and it was due to be finished in, so the, the wave pool's going, but the food and beverage, our part was meant to be open just after, it was around Easter, a few building issues here or there, but then we, so we're getting to like the last maybe six weeks of the build and COVID hits. And so like everything else, I just put it on hold said to the builder, who's a great guy, I was like, mate, we can't, we're just going to have to stop. Don't do any more because I don't know if I'll be able to pay you. I don't know what the state of my business will be. And he was very, very understanding. I think he had $5 million of work, not including us, that just overnight, everyone put their projects on hold. Where's it at now? So that was six weeks from being finished and a hell of a lot of money that we'd have to put in to get it finished. Six weeks later, we said, all right, let's do it. Like, I think we're going to be okay. So we put the money in, got finished last week. We obviously can't have any customers in there. Um, however, we're, yeah, Andy's in there today to put the furniture in the right places and we'll get some photos. It looks beautiful, not a single soul. And, um, we'd partially recruited the team, but nobody had actually started yet. So that was, I guess, fortunate in a way. And, you know, we'll wait, we'll wait to see when their restrictions are, um, we're working with the, with the urban surf. They're not open as well. They've been very helpful. You know, we, we can't pay rent. We're not paying rent at the moment. Um, and we'll wait until it's viable for us to open. When we open, I guarantee it'll be exactly like Byron, just a coffee machine, a bit of takeaway food. You know, that'll be it until we can safely open up to 10 packs. Slowly and but packs surely. And, yeah. Yeah. And just, and just build it out slowly. Yeah. As opposed to being like having some major, like major event. Yes. I mean, that's it, right. So, I mean, do you think, do you think, Paul, as, as a result of um, all this COVID stuff, we all get a, a greater sense of um, perspective in relation to what other people have to go through? And um, uh, and probably we've had not only have had we pivot our businesses, but we've had to pivot our lives. Definitely. Definitely. I think we've worked out what's important. You know, I will make sure that I do something for myself and that sounds selfish, but I do something for myself at least once or twice a week, whether that's playing soccer or playing or surfing or, you know, reading a book or whatever, when maybe in the past I didn't always. And I always, and I also make sure that I put stuff into my kids and my wife, you know, and maybe also not put everything off, you know, quite often, oh, no, let's not go away next weekend or this weekend because you know, we can, we can try we'll next week. We'll go next week, but fucking do it. Yeah, you know? totally. You know, go and see your, your friend that lives four hours away. Cause if that's all you can do now, we'll go and do it. Cause you put it off for the last five years, you know, or just ring someone you haven't rung for a while. It's that's right. I, I just want to say this, I mean, like, I know for everyone listening, but something interesting Paul just said that, I mean, something I got at what Paul just said anyway was, and we keep talking about this concept of pivoting and reinventing ourselves and et cetera, but it, it's not just pivoting 
business into one opportunity. It's about pivoting your whole mindset. And that means changing everything the way you think about yourself. I mean, how you think about your family, how you think about your friends, how you think about how you use time. Yeah. So we need to actually pivot our whole mindset. And the the three blue ducks sounds like to me, you know, it all sounds pretty wonderful, but like obviously they've been more successful than most others. But I think one of the things we get out of this is that um, like-minded people, it's important to have like-minded people around you. I mean, there's no point you thinking a certain way and everyone thinking, no, you should be working 50 hours a, a week um, and doing nothing else but the job. I mean, you've got to be around like-minded people. Clearly they have a, they're lucky, they're surfers. So, you know, that's a quite a meditational and appreciating nature type thing. Um, but nonetheless, what you come out of, what comes out of this is uh, that you must find something that you really love doing, whatever that might be. Yep. It can be surfing, it could be knitting, it could be whatever it is, whatever, walking in nature, whatever, walking. It's time to start to appreciate those things we've probably taken for granted for a long time. The fact that we have a job yep. uh, or we have a business, um, we have an opportunity to take advantage of the changes around us and assess how everybody's changing and how can we fit into that. And then uh, just have a look at, around at all the great things that we've been enjoying, family, friends, yep. just appreciating life. I mean, maybe there is something good out of all this that, you know, we're learning that uh, community is really important to us, uh, family, friends are really important to us, thinking about our business is really important to us, thinking about the people we deal with as a community in our business is not just a transaction, but mm-hmm. it's more than a transaction. And yeah. It's not just about, by the way, we've got to build a brand. It's about... The brand will follow if we just build our community. Yep. You know, like instead of thinking, oh, how do I do a brand build? You know, yep. Forget about that. Just go and do the thing that your community that you deal with yep. in your business want. Yeah. And, and that try- community gets bigger. And then that says your brand. Yeah. It, it's, it grows itself. Yeah. You don't have to consult a brand expert. Yeah. You just have to know what your community wants. And if you don't know what your community wants, you might be in the wrong business because you don't know your community. You don't have a, a empathy or an affiliation with them. And, uh, and it starts with asking and talking yeah. and being part of it, which is what you know, the three blue yeah. ducks proprietors and yourself and your senior senior management team have all done during this COVID period. And I think that's one of the great things I got out of my out of the COVID for my businesses is actually being on the front line, mm. experiencing what everybody wants. Mm. Now, I've been asked lots of questions, but I, I guess before we close off this, I mean, if you've got anyone to ask me. Yeah, I guess what I was going to ask was – where do you think this is going to be in three years? You know, because the world is going to keep changing. I mean, economically, with, economically, yeah, yeah. economically. Well, I think uh, I don't know the answer, obviously, but I just got a, a view. Yeah. All I know is we're going to have a downturn, and that's going to be reflected in every asset class, whether it's real estate or coffee shops or restaurants or home loans, whatever. It's going to reflect in every asset class. Okay. There's going to be some who's going to skate through no dramas, but generally speaking, it's going to reflect in every every asset class. So that is an absolute certainty, right? There's no argument about there's going to be a downturn. Where the argument is, is how long will that downturn last? And I don't know the answer to that. But I do know there is a second certainty. The second certainty is when the downturn is finished, we'll have a recovery for those who are still standing like no other recovery ever in our history. We, I mean, they talk about a V curve. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the sharpest recovery we've ever, ever seen. Because people are going to be desperate to get back out and start to interact. Mm. Now, whether it's buying houses or buying investment properties or going down to enjoy the coffee at the coffee shop or traveling overseas or getting on an aeroplane or welcoming their family to come from overseas to visit them, it's going to go menacingly hard. Yeah. The question is, how long is the downturn for? Everything after that is great. Yeah. So what we have to do is we have to prepare for a prolonged period of downturn. Mm-hmm. And it's a bit like if um, you know you've got a fort and you go back a thousand years, you've got a fort and you know the enemy's coming at you. You don't fight them. You can't fight this, okay? All you need to know is can I live in this fort and sustain the siege? Have I got enough resources to sustain the siege for the period that it's going to last? Yeah. And you don't know how long it's going to last. That is the issue. After that, you open the gates, mate, it's going to be turbocharged all time. And that's where I think it is. And I don't think any economist can tell you it's going to ha- No one knows how long it's going to no, last. that's right. The game here is how do I survive? And what you guys are doing is right. Put those things on hold that are going to take your resources away. Where you can reduce your expenses by doing stuff yourself. And 
make sure that you deliver to the people who give you revenue and give you the resources you need to live on and to survive, you do everything they want you to do, which is why I sort of was prodding a little bit about your um, you know, independent beer theory, et cetera. Mm. I mean, and if you're going okay, if you're getting the resources, that's good, but at some stage you might need to sort of you know, recalibrate those things. But right now you have to do at the lowest possible cost what everybody wants yeah, and make sure where well, you have to, you've got to do it yourself. Yeah. Right now things are okay, to be honest with you, right now. Yeah. So right now is a time to build up your pile of resources, yeah. build up your inventory of whatever it is you need to build up. Yeah. That's, and then just be ready to grit your teeth and you're going to do it tough. We're all going to do it tough for a period of time. Yeah. And then, but then it's going to bounce. And when it bounces, you've got to be in the game then. That's you've right. You've got to be around when it bounces because when it bounces, those who are still there is going to be crazy. Yeah. And, you know, all the people who are building your buildings are going to be coming to you and say, hey, Paul, make, is there any chance you can guys set up a venue in here when it bounces? Yeah. But if, if between here and the, the, the bounce, put it all on hold. Yeah. I wouldn't be taking any risks. Yeah. I, mate, I think you and I think alike. Well, you're, you're obviously older and wiser, but. I've been through these things before. <laughs> that's the only thing. Really nice to meet you, Paul. Thank you. Cheers. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.